welcome to CCS Convo, the podcast for EV lovers and the EV curious. Join Nick and Louise every fortnight as we discuss the latest news in electric vehicles and look at some of the electric vehicles that are currently available. You can find out more by visiting rps-dm.co.uk forward slash ccs-convo. Hello and welcome to CCS Convo Season 1, Episode 6. This is actually a news episode, not one of the six bonus car review episodes that we're currently running at the moment. At the moment we've got two of them out, so you can hear Louise's opinion of the Citroen EC4X and my opinion of the Vauxhall Astra E now in the podcast feed. But this is a normal news episode. So I am Nick Smith. I am one of the hosts of the CCS Convo Electric Vehicle Podcast. Next to me is Louise, who is about to say hello and open up a slightly different format for us of news show. Because instead of me trawling the web for all the EV news and filling out a whole page full of prep notes and unveiling car after car at Louise and hoping she's not seen them, We've done something different this time in that we've each gone out and picked a number of news articles and we are going to discuss them. So we're going to start off with Louise throwing one at me and then I'm going to throw one at her. And so then we get different people's reactions. So Louise, say hello to the lovely listener and tell us what we're discussing first, please. So just as a translation, Nick has let me out to play. So we have some interesting cars in our future. So, we're going to open up with the single most important Porsche that is going to come out in the next 10 years or so. Oh, the new 911. No, more important. So, Porsche have committed that they're going to electrify all of their SUVs by 2030. And they have released, and some bonus images, the first indication they're going to do a three-row air suspension all-wheel drive SUV in a particularly eye-hurting shade of orange currently. Yeah, the um, retina-destroying orange of the KN (laughs) that are the pictures in this news article. Um, Whilst I appreciate it's there to catch the eye, put it to one side because that's the standard KN. You look at the back of it, it's got four exhaust pipes. It is, and while we are waiting for the electric KM, we're not expecting it until... 25, 26, isn't it? 26, we think, and the K1 is likely to come after that. Um, the K1 will build upon the tech that they've already got for the Taycan, the tech they developed through for the KN, and ultimately end up with a three-row air suspension, all-wheel drive family SUV. What more could you need in your life? I am in two minds about this. The I have an intellectual understanding that cars like the KN and the Macan 
and the Panamera and this are the cars that pay for Porsche's passion projects. Yeah. Yeah. So they pay for the bonkers 911s with the big rear wings on them. <laughs> they pay for the LMDH, the Porsche um, 918s. Um, they pay for them to go to Le Mans and things like that. Um, these support the customer racing, which is my bread and butter as a motorsport journalist. Um, does the world need another big seven-seater SUV? Yes. I'm not certain. Especially if it's electric and from Porsche. I'm not certain. I don't know that... <sighs> There's enough choice out there already. I mean, look at the car that this is going to be based on, which is the Audi Q7. Yeah. That's going to get full e-tron treatment, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah that we're expecting that one in the next couple yeah. of years. We'll eventually get something, I don't know what they call it, the ID8 or the ID9, which will be a Volkswagen version of it. It will. Um, I mean, the ENIAC's pretty much there already anyway. There's space mm -hmm. there for us. Space is there. The seats currently aren't. Yeah. Um, so the group itself has got enough seven-seat SUV offerings without further diluting a pure sports car brand like Porsche. But this is my per my perception of Porsche, which goes back to the 993, the air-cooled, the turbos and, and, and things like that. Whereas and if I was going to go and buy a Porsche, it would have been a KN, and it would have been a KN from the day they came out. 9 whereas, never done it for me. Whereas the KN to me has been an abomination for <laughs> years. The Macan's not bad. I think it's better looking than the Q5 it's based on. Well, that's not difficult. No. Uh, the Macan doesn't look like it's been pre-crashed. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> but, to me, Porsche should be a 911. <laughs> the Boxster and the Cayman, they're you acceptable. They're the Boxster I can live with. The box from the Cayman, they're acceptable. They are more accessible 911s for people that can't afford the real thing. <laughs> yeah. The Taycan, first electric Porsche. Yeah. Go for that. It has a place. Mm -hmm. Panamera has just been ugly since the day it was born. Correct. Yeah. But the SUVs... But the K1 <laughs> is going to be beautiful. Come on, it's going to be kind of <sighs> sloping roof lines, steep windshields, air suspension. Come on. Off-roading. In your electric EV, this is the future. I would say you could do that in a Jeep, but you can't. Ooh, <laughs> they haven't heard that episode yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just hit a nerve. <laughs> yes, you did. Move on. Something different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as I say, to me, it's a car that doesn't need building. But to the board of Porsche AG... It's a car that's going to pay for them to continue doing the things that they love to do, which are going to no longer be financially viable yeah. in uh, in an anti-ice world. Mm. So where do I take you? I think I take you to... I think I take you to Birmingham. Um, okay. Well, we've got going to... I went to Birmingham in like July. It was mm. all right. I kind of went and came home. Do I have to go back? Well, we've got to go back and test ride the BYD Dolphin at some point. Correct. The nearest one is in Birmingham. And while we're there, we can stop at a Starbucks that is a drive-through. 
at the UK's largest public EV charging hub, which has opened this month just around the corner from the NEC. And you're sat there looking for the tab. I haven't sent it to you. Because there's now to look at here, apart from an aerial view of a car park. <laughs> I might be really fascinated by aerial views of car parks. There you go. Aerial view of a car park. Excellent. Okay. Oh my goodness, that looks complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so this is... I mean, everybody's following on from Mr. Musk. And this is not just a charging hub, this is a giga hub. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Eventually, the supercharger hub of Sheffield will not be bin bags. Indeed. Um, but this is a giga hub. It is the uh, built by the NEC. So it is close to where the M42 and the M6 meet. Right, okay. And in an area which actually in terms of strategic road network, isn't overflowing with charging capacity. Yeah. Um, I particularly found the M40 very poorly served by charging, except for if you go off route and off to the McDonald's at um, about four junctions short of the, M, uh, of the M42. Right. Um, but what we have here now, 30 ultra-fast 150 kilowatt chargers yeah. and 157 kilowatt chargers. It enables 180 EVs to be charged simultaneously. This is a BP Pulse site. Okay, so it enables eight EVs to be charged simultaneously? No, because if we scroll downy and I show you this picture, BP Pulse haven't provided the chargers. They just branded them. Okay, so they'll work. Yeah, Excellent. and... I've I've used this type of charger before. I don't know who actually makes it. Um, <laughs> but when you look at it, it looks kind of like a tall charge post has been slightly knocked over. Yeah? It's yeah. designed to look like that. But this one's got cable management on it. So the cables, whilst they are long, they are lighter. Um, if you look at the various images of the charging stations, we've got flat access. We've got accessible width bays for nice all of the rapid chargers the uh, the ultra ultra rapid chargers we've got some we've got five accessible parking bays separately and um this site every parking space has got a seven kilowatt charger so there are a number of disabled only seven kilowatt chargers as well um as we say, parking for 180 vehicles to charge and a Starbucks so you can recharge a driver <laughs> at the same time as you're recharging the car. Um, and as you can see from the satellite image, it's right next to a massive substation. <laughs> so it shouldn't run out of volts. You see, I have to say, they've put in all of these 7 kilowatt chargers and a Starbucks on a motorway. How long do they think you're going to be in Starbucks to use a 7 kilowatt charger? Well, it depends what you turn up in. If you come in via the non-motorway network in an AMI, you'll be there for about 25 minutes. Yes, because you can't take an AMI on the motorway. <laughs> but the rest of it, actually, 7 isn't actually very useful. It's okay. It's, it's fine for destination <coughs> charging. Why seven? Why not twenty-two? If you're going to do AC and you want to run predominantly AC, okay. why, why seven? You've got to be there for hours. 
But if you look at this photo, which gives you an even better view, um, you've got hotel space. That's the NEC. I think the 130 or whatever it was, 157 yeah. kilowatt chargers are more for serving the local businesses than they are for serving the motorway traffic. The motorway traffic will be served by the 30, 150 kilowatt chargers. Hopefully there isn't, therefore, parking time restrictions. On that one, I've not been able to find out. On that one, I've not been able to find out. I've read through the article and I can't see. It's a BP Pulse Fluff, BP Pulse fluff piece, basically. Yeah, so um, we might not know until we get there. Yeah. Um, but quite, quite exciting. We have lots and lots of nice new chargers. Oh, look. They've even got dedicated accessible ultra-rapids. Ultra which is cool. I'm just intrigued by kind of mm. the rest of the site. I'll have to go and see one day. Yeah, I congratulate them for trying. Yes, and it's a starting point. Yeah. We just need now, like, many more. Indeed. But you were saying about Tesla supercharger site being, sorry, Sheffield supercharger site being bin bags. Yeah. I take it you mean at Tesla Drake House? No, the supercharger they've put in pretty much next door to where we are is still covered over. So we've got a supercharger hub on the Meadowhall Retail Park. It's Have we? It's not active. Yeah. When they dug it all up and found the unexploded bomb and therefore closed half the car park for ages while they removed the unexploded bomb and then removed the other two they found, they mm. put in a supercharger hub. It's just covered in bin bags. I knew that there was rivalry between us and Manchester, but I didn't realise it had gone that far. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like there. It's, it's outside Smith's. The toy shop and, and the Ninja Warrior. Warrior. Okay, I, I never go over that side of the retail park, so I, I do because Hobbycraft is there. I, I, I either enter the retail park, turn left, and go to McDonald's, or enter the retail park, carry on down, go to Pizza Hut. Next one along. further to Greg's. Yeah. <laughs> or enter the. I have once <laughs> enter the retail park, follow it round to the right, and go to the end unit ah, by a gear. The game. Indeed. The gym. <laughs> so, where are you taking me to next? Right. So, you taking me to the future of charging. I'm going to take you further into the future still. So, I'm going to take you to a slightly interesting piece that was compiled by someone who is very dedicated and very interested in what companies are patenting around electric vehicles looking ahead. So these are future possibilities. Okay. These are the pipe dreams of engineers who have drawn plans but not managed to sell them to anyone yet. Okay. So the first of these that we're going to look at is a vending machine. Right. So, this interesting idea is looking at a way of combating range anxiety. By, by, by a car with a big enough battery? Well, for those of us who don't have that, or for those of us who might want to drive further than our car thinks is the distance, this patent is for backup batteries. So, you would go to a vending machine, you would buy your chocolate, 
you would buy a number of kilowatt hours in a battery you would plug into your car to extend your range without having to actually charge your car. These batteries would be disposable and recyclable and they would very much be along the lines of do you remember when Top Gear built their first electric car? The Eagle Thrust X, whatever it was. Yes. And in order to combat their range anxiety, because they'd only put milk float batteries in, and they'd put two in instead of 19, they put the diesel generator in the back seat. Indeed. This is your non-ice equivalent of the diesel generator in the back seat. It is your petrol can of fuel just in case you run out it is your snow shovel that's still in your car in august okay nice idea <laughs> i see a problem with it only one <laughs> one main problem we are already talking quite a lardy car yeah these vehicles have maximum gross vehicle weights so you go out and buy a bolt-on batteries. I mean, looking at this picture here, where, where where's where's where, where's this battery going? They haven't worked that out yet. Okay, but if it goes in the roof rack or in the boot or something and adds another four hundred kilos to the weight of the car, so that you can boost the range of your car. Yeah. Problem is, you then can't put any luggage in the car because you're approaching the vehicle's gross vehicle weight. Yep. So this is this is a problem for me. But. It's a dream for the future. And I have another dream that I want to share with you from this article as well. Do you? Yeah. You have a dream? I have a dream. Okay. Everyone will be equal. So, if we were in the military, if we were fighter pilots, we would have the option of in-air refueling. So we wouldn't have to stop. Mm. We would just fly very precisely up to a refueling jet mm -hmm. we would connect the front of our plane to a trailing hose in mid-air without any help it would pump us full of fuel and we would continue on to whatever important mission we were about to do yes so there is a patent for an EV equivalent okay so the patent is for drones that carry an emergency charge that you would be able to summon to your vehicle, it would fly alongside you, connect to your car, and charge it while you're moving. And then when your car has enough, or the drone is exhausted, it would then fly Crash back land to its onto hub. the motorway. <laughs> <laughs> fly back to its hub using its reserve battery, and then later on, you could request another one. Following along the same lines as Amazon using drone deliveries, Milton Keynes using those really, really cute robotic robots. We're in Bedford as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Bedford. So, yeah. Mm. Flying EV drone chargers. Again, respect to Mr. Christopher P. Ricci, who uh, filed the patent for this back in 2016. But I do see some reasons why the patent has not been taken up in the seven years it's been available. <laughs> um, not least being the fact that 
For the drone to deliver a decent amount of charge, it would need a big enough battery to distribute to the car. Which means it'll be too bloody heavy to get off the ground. And even if it can, it won't be able to keep up with the car at motorway speeds. It's an interesting challenge, though. So what we're basically talking about here is we could do it with drones in the future, but in the meantime, we're going to have to use helicopters and they burn petrol. Correct. <laughs> so, final, final dream from the article. So, have you ever been cruising down the motorway at 65, really enjoying yourself, really relaxed, and thought, oh, I wish I had more speakers. Um, no. <laughs> so, this is a patent that is designed for music lovers, and I know you are. I have heard you sing many times. You are an excellent singer. Thank you. You have a number of instruments in your repertoire. Mm. And this is for you. So, this removes trim... Um, panels, door lights, everything, and slots in extra speakers. Um, because these are relatively light, because they work on vibration, they don't add too much weight to the car, so your concern about the extra battery wouldn't be a problem. And who doesn't need every single part of their car to be converted into a speaker, particularly if you're fortunate enough to have 15-inch touchscreen in order to mix on. Your passenger, whose official role in the car is navigation and DJing... Navigation and snack passer in chief. No, no. Snack passer is the person in the back. There is a ruling on this. No, they have to snooze like a boss. No, no. There's a ruling on this from the US Sheriff's Office that it is the, <laughs> the person in the back who is responsible for snack... <laughs> Didn't you know this? <laughs> <laughs> there is official guidance from the US Sheriff's Office for the roles of the people in the car. <coughs> for those who can't see, Nick is currently lying across the bench in Duncan in hysterics and carefully making sure that he is not about to swallow his microphone. He has not realised that this is such an important issue <laughs> that it has had federal judgment in the States. Only so in America. <laughs> so, yeah. Party car. <laughs> um, going back to the piece of news that you've brought to me. <laughs> going back to the piece of news that you've brought to me. He's really struggling. His face is the colour of my drink. My drink is strawberry. What we've done here is we've moved so far into the future with vehicles. We've gone back to 2001 and Max Power and Halfords. Yes. This was a bad idea in 2001. Although my eldest brother's Mini that had so much bass in it when it ran out of petrol you could bounce it down the road was quite cool particularly because it ran out of petrol very quickly because he took out the one litre and put in a Porsche V6. <laughs> this is not a bad idea. This is an excellent idea. It will be even better if we get auto drive. You are talking to the man who only ever uses the stereo in his car to listen to his own podcasts. <laughs> yes, but imagine how great you will sound in 360, sound, 360 surround sound. I've already got posh sound. Not posh enough. 
Yeah, posh enough. I can't remember what the name is on the side of the, on the side of the speaker, but there's but posh sound in mine. But you still have door trim, and you still have lights, and you still have bits of bodywork that can be replaced with a speaker. Therefore, you don't have enough sound. So, moving on, and thankfully the needs to restock on the fine products of our recording studio have given me a chance to recover from the hilarity of <laughs> American rulings on the correct job roles for various um, various personnel on a road trip. <laughs> so I get to take Louise to a location, to a destination, somewhat close to her, her heart. Okay. If you take a look now at some shiny, shiny pictures, which I do believe Persia have already emailed to you. <laughs> they have, yeah. They are quite sure that I need to replace my car. This is the new Peugeot E3000. Uh, the new Peugeot 3008, the E3008, which, I mean, looking at it, a development of the new face of Peugeot. Yeah. Um, the interior has been reworked with the next generation. They call it a panoramic eye cockpit. Yeah. Which actually does look quite, quite nice inside. And this is you accepting the fact that the curved 21-inch... <coughs> display is a good thing? Yes, because it's a curved 21-inch display that's split into two, basically. <laughs> yeah. So it's not one massive screen, it's a couple of screens that are put into one housing. Um, what I found more important about this is that it seems that Stellantis is finally waking up to the fact that EVs aren't a trim level to entertain the to entertain the eco-mentalists that are yeah. buying cars. Because this is a real EV. And I'm not saying that yours isn't. Mine's a light EV. But Stellantis, with the exception of the 500 e which has a small battery and a small motor, yeah. and the Abarth-E, <laughs> which has a small battery and a bigger <laughs> motor, <laughs> um, every Stellantis EV is the same. 54 kilowatt hour battery now 115 kilowatt motor yeah. same charging statistics etc etc roughly the same range depending on how big the car is the new 3008 um they say it's been transformed from a conventional suv to a fastback crossover doesn't look massively different to the current car in terms no. of its approximate shape slightly more t-rock at the back yeah slightly more curvy yeah but still still very much a, a development of the 3008, which launched the new face of Peugeot, what, seven years ago? Yeah. Okay. Um, which is developing the new face of Peugeot now. What I will say, I've seen the facelifted, e, the, the facelifted E2008. Yeah. And I discussed it with you off mic. You did. And I said that it looks quite busy. That look on a face that was designed to carry it does look cleaner. The facelifts are always a compromise, yep. no matter where you are, mm. no matter what it is. Mm. But let's stop discussing, unless you have anything you want to say about the interior or the exterior of the car. Um, I'm quite excited by this car, because I think it is a nice development. But I think my car is really good looking. I think this takes that even further in the right direction. 
Okay. Technologically, it moves on as well. There are a choice of three all-electric powertrains in the new car. A 210 horsepower, 157 kilowatt standard range car. You've got one that's 230 horsepower, or 170 kilowatts long range. And you've got a 320 horsepower, 240 kilowatt, dual motor, all-wheel drive version. Which is quite exciting. Only two trim levels, Allure and GT. Okay. But they've also worked on the other technology in the car. Yeah. So instead of, as we are getting very familiar with saying, <laughs> 11 kilowatts AC, 100 kilowatts DC, etc. DC charging at up to 160 kilowatts, so it's it's there. Yeah. It will max out the charges that we were talking about earlier in the episode. It will. Um, giving a 20 to 80% charge in 30 minutes. There's no confirmation on the size of the battery. We're assuming 75 to 80 kilowatts here. Should make sense. Yep. Comes standard with 11 kilowatt AC charging, which is nice because it will step down to 7 kilowatts for charging at home. But where you can get faster, it will take it. Yeah. Um, you can have as an option the three-phase 22 kilowatt AC. And that's nice as well. As we move towards 11 being a more standard AC and 22 mm. being more present, mm -hmm. that you have the option in the future will be useful. Yeah. I mean, if we're looking at a 70 kilowatt hour battery, for example, yeah. then you could, within the parking time limit at an Aldi car park, get pretty close to fully charging this battery on, d yeah. on AC with the optional yeah. 22. V2L is included. Um, That's always cool. I would love your car to have V2L if we went out somewhere. Yeah, I'd love my car to have V2L as well <laughs> because... <laughs> I'm working on something that may require me to power a laptop and a TV <laughs> outside a supermarket. Uh, and at the moment, my car can't do it. So, oh. <laughs> um, um, Something that you've been longing for with your car is that you can set smart charging for this via the system. You, could, yeah. you can set times for charging. You can set um, charging rates and things like that as well. Charge so I can plug it in and tell it not to start working till a given time. I can't mm. tell it how much to take, how quickly yep. to stop, anything like that. Yep. Okay. Um, if you look at the interior shots, yeah, you've got some touch sensitive buttons that run down the center console. <laughs> These are customizable, so you can set the functions you want them to do. Yeah. So. I'm guessing one of them be set to ramming speed and yeah. I'm I'm just having flashbacks. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, my dad had a programmable keyboard mm -hmm. on like our first proper computer. Mm -hmm. I reprogrammed it to fit better with my computer game, and didn't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. One of the features you like on my car, which you don't have on yours, is variable regen. Yes. So you have two paddles behind the steering wheel on this one, and you have three levels of selectable regeneration, low, medium, and high. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. I want that. Uh, and as you've established with my car, when it's regenerating, the brake lights come on. <laughs> Same for levels medium and high on this. Yeah. Okay. I'm told I'm very difficult to follow. Hmm? because my brake lights don't come mm. 
Yeah. Um, the main thing here is a massive improvement in range. Oh, the massive. WLTP range, it more than doubles what your car can do. Yeah. And I work hard to get 190 out of 200 out of mine. Mm. <laughs> but this, it, but this, they claim WLTP 435 miles on a charge from the long range version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all that really matters here now is price and how much you convince them to pay for yours, doesn't it? You see, this would be the natural step up from my car. Mm. Um, when I first bought my car, my dad misheard what car I'd bought and he thought that I'd bought a 3008. Mm -hmm. I was very confused where he couldn't find an electric one, though he knew I said it was electric. Mm -hmm. And apparently his thoughts were, what a beast. Why has she bought such a big, scary-looking car? But this, this looks fab. It does. Uh, bad news for you, colour options. Engaro blue, uh, Kenty white, Nira black, Cumulus grey and Titan grey. No orange. If I'd had a choice, my car currently would be black. There you go. You've got the right colour as well. Okay. <laughs> That's Peugeot news done. So let's see where Louise is taking us next. So, Louise, we've been to France and we've been to... America for some discussion of um, traffic laws. <laughs> Where were we going next? Well, actually, we're going back to the States, um, or at least from an American source. So as part of my wandering around the internet looking to see what the future held, I kind of stumbled into a list of future EVs that we can be looking at, particularly for the American market. And there is loads on this list, but we're only going to talk about two of them for the moment. So, one of the most famous car manufacturers you could ever consider would be Bentley. They are renowned for quality, for luxury, mm -hmm. a little bit of for speed as well because they are capable sometimes of going quite fast. Even as slow as Bent is capable of going quite fast. <laughs> um, but actually, in terms of the common conception is that mm, not particularly good mileage, not overwhelmingly powerful, but very, very beautiful. Um, so looking forward, we are moving to electric options. So the Bentayga, the Flying Spur, the Continental GP, both Coupe and Convertible are going. And we are having probably five new Bentley models. How new they will be, they haven't told us yet, um, by 2030. So we will have a first new one by 2025. And I, for one, am really excited by the idea of kind of luxury EVs appearing from such a well-known manufacturer. I mean, we've already got a taste of what it 
might be like because Rolls Royce have bought out the Spectre. We have, and I think it's a really interesting starting point. But looking at the models that they're replacing, yeah, we've got the Bentley Taycan, the Bentley Taycan convertible. Yes. We have the Bentley Taycan with a bigger boot. Y- yes. And then we have the Bentley K1. Yes. <laughs> but they're going to be Bentley rather than Porsche. Uh, how many of these will be available for the UK market? How many of them will ever be made, whether they will be limited runs? Bentley aren't telling us yet. That's mm. for the future. Mm. Um, what I'm looking forward to is this uh, unknown fifth model, which I'm hoping is a Bentley ID Buzz. <laughs> I think that's probably unlikely, but it would be very cool. Mm-hmm. And thinking about things that are very cool, I suppose it's fair to tell you listeners that between Nick and I, we could be considered to be Apple fan guys. Between you and I, we could be considered to have paid Steve Jobs' salary. <laughs> yeah, okay. So... Um, Approximate count between us is... Okay, let's take a look in my flat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you taking over my news article? Right. Let's take a look in my flat, <laughs> yeah. MacBook Pro. Yeah. iPad. Yeah. Two Apple Watches. Yeah. iPhone. Yeah. AirPods. Yeah. Magic Mouse. Yeah. Two Magic Keyboards. Yeah. Apple Pencil. Uh, iPad Magic Keyboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've run out of fingers. Okay. Uh, if you go to my house, I have two Apple TVs. Really? Yep. Nice. Um, I have one, two, three, four iPads, two iPhones. Uh, I have a MacBook Air. And... I have a Apple Watch and docking stations. So between us... We've both run out of fingers. Yeah. Um, but we've got a fair amount of kit. Oh, and I have the odd pair of headphones that Apple made. One day yeah, but they came with the iPhones they rather did. than... Um, however, looking forward to 2026, mm. I think both of us may need a new car. So... In 2026, we are expecting the Apple Titan. Mm. And the Apple Titan is going to be the iCar. It'll 100% connect to everything they're suggesting. Um, It will be capable of autonomous driving, though obviously we've got to go past the legal barriers and the testing for it to be possible. Um, Whether it will charge from a USB-C... Well, no, because this is this is Apple. <laughs> so in America, it will charge off CCS. Hopefully. In the UK, it will charge off NADC. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Yeah. <laughs> there is going to also going to be one other problem with this car, which is the fact you need to turn it over to plug it in. No, you'll just plug it at the back. It's fine. In kind of the opposite end to yours, you'll just plug it in there. No, have you not seen the Magic Mouse? Yes, but they w- they they they're not doing that. They've been <coughs> thinking about this for a decade. Mm-hmm. They've got a plan, just not out yet. Um, I am sort of really excited, mm-hmm. sort of really terrified, 
they started off working with Hyundai to develop this, then they fell out, they then moved to Honda. And while... Uh, yeah, but Sony's partnered with Honda now for, a, for an EV, haven't they? Yeah, but Sony have more of a heritage and a background of producing bigger things. Hmm. Apple don't really have a heritage of building anything much bigger than a G3. Or a large size tower. Um, I don't quite know. Apple don't really have a history of building anything. Apple's a design company. They, out, they, they, they outsource the building to China. They do. Um, so why they're, they're not talking to Geely, I don't know. Possibly they didn't want to talk to the Apple. But I am quite intrigued. I mean, the Honda E, which I know is a bit of a controversial car, I quite like. I can see a lot of features in the Honda E that Apple would appreciate. The Honda E is the original Mirror's Edge. Yes, it is. It's a tech demo. It was never meant to be taken seriously. The fact they're still selling it is a problem. You see, I think it's quite cute. It's not kind of gee whiz, ammy cute. Sorry, did you just say the words gee whiz and cute in the same sentence? I did. Well, the next thing Louise is going to receive, dear listener, is a P45. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. Fairly certain you've got to send me a payslip first. (laughs) Ah, good point. No contract either, so I can just fire you. <laughs> <laughs> Can't fire me, you don't employ me. But yeah, I'm sort of excited by the idea of an Apple car. Yes and no. EVs are expensive. Yep. Now, being currently in the market for a new phone, because mine is dying... So's Apple. Seriously dying, my phone. But my phone is seven years old and was refurbed when I got it. Yeah. Um, I've been looking into iPhones. And Apples are expensive iPhones. They are? They are expensive laptops. Yep. They are expensive headphones. Yep. They are expensive tablets. Yep. They are expensive docking stations. And they are really expensive. Well, actually, in watch terms, they're actually quite cheap. <laughs> in watch terms, they are cheap. Mine's still going after three years. Which is uh, my first Apple Watch would still be going if it hadn't bounced off a tiled floor. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> which is why I'm on Mark II here. Um, but if the Apple car ever arrives, big if. Yes. It's going to be so horrendously out of most people's league. Oh, but it's going to be so cool. Mm. And given what we were discussing in the last news episode, Apple versus Pear. Apple. Yeah, but the Pear's got the Houdini trunk. Don't care. (laughs) Apple. (laughs) (laughs) So, moving away from expensive, fashionable Apple products... Let's go to expensive, fashionable Volkswagen products. When Be- did they make any? ID Buzz. Uh, it's not fashionable. It's awesome. It's cool. It's hippie. It's not It's cool AF. Yeah. Doesn't make it fashionable. It's fashionable. It's a hippie van. It's fashionable. Mm. Mm. Okay. What we're looking at here, if Louise takes a look at the photos, which came out uh, with a concept car... 
that was released in the Munich Motor Show. What we have here is the Volkswagen ID GTI. Right, okay. Okay. So, now, this is based on the ID2, which is sort of between polo and golf. Yeah. Based on the ID2. Um, the ID2 um, being available for less than 25,000 euros and due in about two years' time. The GTI, co uh, GTI concept is quite short. It's just over four metres long with a relatively long wheelbase. So the, um, 2,600 millimetres between the axles. Same so wheel at each corner. Yeah, This has got quite a much smaller body on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's taken the the ID face, made it a bit more aggressive. <laughs> um, at the back, it's become quite a lot more aggressive, if you yeah. look at the photos. Um, and it's basically taken the GTI name into the electric era. They are saying that they are going to do GTI, ID GTI, other IDs, yeah. so ID3 GTI, ID4 GTI, ID Buzz GTI, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, this particular car comes with a bit of um, proper oily bits technical stuff. So it's one of the few electric vehicles out there that has a full locking differential at the front. Now, do you know what differential is? I do. Okay. So... The locking of the differential um, limits the amount of difference between you can have between the two sides yeah. of the front of the car. So it's it's there to improve improve handling and reduce torque steer in front-wheel drive vehicles yeah. mainly. Yeah. Um, there's a new GTI experience control, which I'm guessing is your sport mode, your race mode, your whatever mode. Um, yeah, it's the... Mm -hmm. GTI golf ball. Yes. That they've just transferred. Yeah, so it'll basically be dialer mode using mm. a proper golf ball style dialer thing. Which it's it's keeping with the past. It is. I'm guessing it will also come with leather and tartan seats. <laughs> which have been a GTI staple yeah, yeah. since the rabbit. And you know that a lot of sort of slightly sporty cars have that different coloured band at the top of the steering wheel? Yes. This one's going to get a glow in the dark one. It's going to get a light up one. Mm. So you can always see where straight is. Right, okay. It's a racing driver thing. Less needed on roads. But this is a sporty car. Still mm. designed for roads. Hmm? Sporty car. Doesn't really do it for me. Basically, it's... It's the lead of a charge of cars, this. Okay. Um, the same stand had ID4, ID5, and the new ID7, which has recently started yeah. selling. Volkswagen is planning 11 new all-electric models by 2027. Which is fab. It's going to be so good to have all of those options out there for people. 
Yeah. Um, wondering where they're going with it, though. I mean, they do need an all-electric small SUV. Yeah. So they need to, I don't know, an ID cross. <laughs> yeah. An IDX. <laughs> no, an ID cross, as in the T cross. Yeah. But um, the IDX was a tech demo supercar, <laughs> which was just amazing. I know. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing an ID Carmen Gear, which is a 1960s Volkswagen two-seater convertible sports car. Yes, and how many pieces would you like to fall off it? <laughs> yes, but if they made a new one, <laughs> okay. an electric one to rival the Cyberster. Yeah, but the Cybster has scissor wing, has scissor doors. But Volkswagen is one of the few companies out there, one of the few legacy automakers. Yeah, and they, and they that has a big it. enough war chest to make these vanity projects, like <laughs> the two-seater sports car. Yeah. Or the big Porsche three-row, which serves absolutely no real marketing necessity. They're just, we could do it, so we did. Which is an excellent reason. Indeed. What's, why do you climb a mountain? Well, it's not to get anywhere. Because it's there. Yeah? This is why I like Snowdonia. Fair enough. And there, we shall leave the ID GTI, unless you have any more to say on it. No. So, Louise, where do we go next? Well... We are going over to yet another really iconic car manufacturer. Um, another one that I really love. If I had the money, my car would have four rings on it. Oh, so we're going to the next office over then? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's Taco Bell. <laughs> Very literal, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we are staying in the Volkswagen, Audi, uh, we are. Porsche, we're in the Metroplex. So, Audi has a couple of electric options at the moment. Um, one big, one small, a few more in planning. And they have really come across as really kind of beautiful new cars. I mean, I have seen the big Audi a few times. Uh, one of my friends has daughters has got one and it's lovely um, she <laughs> she is amazed how much money it is saving her on her salary sacrifice with being able to have an electric car rather than an ice um, but now we're kind of switching over a little bit to look at something in sort of a similar vein to your last car we're going to look at the Audi Quattro Ooh. So, the Audi Quattro was a car that I loved as a teen. Um, it's been through various forms, various shapes. Um, it's always monocoque, it's always four-wheel drive, and they look amazing. So, we're getting an electrified version. So, this is going to be an EL1. Um, it's from the Quattro Inspiration, it's not actually going to be a Quattro, um, and it is going to be yeah. a really high performance car. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at it being 
a little bit shorter than mm -hmm. the original Sport Quattro. Um, we're looking at it being pure artistry. So it is red and black. It is bucket seats. It is sport consoles. It is just a swathe of luxury. And we have glass panels. We have, oh, it is such, such a beautiful car over a carbon monocoque. And it's just spectacular. In terms of power, um, we've only got numbers in American, unfortunately. Mm. So we have that it's, it's going to be dual motor. So the front motor will give us 369 pounds per foot torque. Yeah. The rear motor will give us 811 pounds per foot torque. Mm. Um, and total weight is going to be just under 4,000 pounds. Which is what in real money? One moment. Hey, Siri. What is 4,000? Hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. What is 4,000 pounds in tons? So, having finally got Siri to play ball, uh, you did say we were a, yeah. a group of Appleites here. Yeah. Um, 1.8 metric tons. Which is lighter than my car. And what did we say on power? Um, that it is going to be 369 pounds per foot torque from the front motor, mm. 811 pounds per foot torque from the rear motor. So a total... So over a thousand torques. Over a thousand foot per pound. Torque. Horsepower. Uh, horsepower, 804. 804, so 400 horsepower per tonne. Yeah. That's... That's Group C Rally car power. We're looking at 0-60 in 2.6 seconds. Yeah, well I nearly had to mark this one as explicit. And to <laughs> 124 in 7.5. Um, Sorry, to 124 in about the same amount of time it took the Smart that I drove the other week to get to 60. Yeah, it does have a um, topping out speed, which is 186. Shockingly slow. Um... But this is a truly special car. Um, they're being hand-built. Mm -hmm. um, we're currently looking at about $950,000 for one. Yeah, well I saw that. And that was when, you, you know in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Roger Rabbit, when somebody sees Jessica Rabbit and their eyes come out? Yeah. Mine did that at the price. <laughs> we're looking at only being about 30 of them produced. This is a special car. Yeah, 80 kilowatt hour battery pack. Saying it's going to to get about 2.96 miles to the kilowatt hour. Yeah, so we're looking at about 240 on WLTP scale. Or, awful. or 26 miles at Nürburgring pace. Yes, Nordschleife, yes. I mean, being fair, no, that's not really fair. Because it's two full power laps of the Nürburgring. Yeah. So that is the outlap, 13 miles. Yeah. Then the two 26. Two full and then one to get it home. 39. And then run out of power at the pits. Correct. So we're talking about 40 miles at Nürburgring speeds. But that's going to be pretty epic. 
what's it saying about charging? Um, It'll be able to. It can. <laughs> They've not worried about details like that. If you've got £950,000, you can employ someone to bring a drone to charge it for you. I mean, they are putting charges in, in the pits on the Nordschleife at the ring. And they're putting petrol pumps in there, and they're going to charge probably about 97 euros a litre, because it is the Nordschleife. Yeah, um, this could require the charging point to be halfway around the track. No, no, because once you cross the line at, <laughs> at the gantry, and you go round to the pit area, you can charge there. Okay, very Yeah? So I say, if you can do 40 miles, 40 miles on the ring, it'll just about get to the pits at um, Her Act. I think it is. Just before Sabine Schmidt curve. Well, like I say, this is a very special car. I wish to see one one day. There is a photo here of the original Audi Quattro. And then there's a photo of this e-legend Audi Quattro. And you can definitely see the lineage. Oh, yeah. The wheels are different. Yeah, we're now on 11-inch alloys. No, we're now on 19-inch alloys. Uh, 19 was the number that I was trying to say. Yep. Um, <laughs> now, by which I'm saying that the Quattro was on nice multi-spokes. Yeah. These are on, quite frankly, pornographic five-spokes. <laughs> well, did tell you it was a good car. Um, and that wide-body kit. Oh, it's so good. That's... Delta Integrale levels of wide bodiness. Oh, yeah. Um, the thing is, this isn't a car that any of us can hope to drive. No. This is a car that all of our teenage children will have as posters on their walls. Yes. Because this is just absolutely bonkers, out there, gorgeous, it's awesome. and nearly a million dollars. It does note that it is plus shipping and taxes, so it is a million dollars. Yeah, I mean, VAT on $950,000, that'll put you over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, great. Count me in. Yeah, can I share? Yeah, well, I mean, I plan on winning the lottery tonight, so. Fabulous. Yeah, so we'll have we'll, we'll have one and I'll, I'll let you drive it across Woodhead. Perfect. Just don't push it too hard. We won't have to charge to get back. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've gone out. We've been on a journey we have. through Stuttgart to Birmingham. To the future. To the future. And then back via Germany. Yep. And Germany. Yep. There's a bit of a thing And crew. Why are we going to crew? Bentley. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. And California. Yes. Or China. California. Yes. Right. Designed in California, <laughs> made in <laughs> Outer Mongolia. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to take the scenic route back to Europe. Well, we've been to France once. We might as well go back and visit. Yeah, return to France. Because this is news that came out six, seven days ago of the new all-electric Renault Scenic E-Tech. 100% electric MPV. So Renault is one company that is not getting out of MPVs in favour of SUVs. 
Yay. Okay. Now, I'm not a massive lover of the MPV. <laughs> really not my thing. You mean you don't have enough children for it? Oh, no, they're really practical. I mean, <laughs> given that you have just inflicted upon me a new hobby. What? Which may require me to be sleeping next to a field for a night. <laughs> Having something like a scenic where I can put all the seats down and put an airbed in it, pretty good. Hang on. They make airbeds for my car. Look That's great. They don't make them for mine. They must make one for yours. They might make one for mine, but I'd have to chop my knees off to fit in the back of it. <laughs> okay. But we are talking here the new scenic, which left the range a year, year and a half ago um, in favour of the capture. Um, but it's coming back. There are two powertrain options. The long-range version will offer 379 miles WLTP from an 87-kilowatt-hour battery and single electric motor putting out 220 horsepower. The standard range powertrain is a 170-horsepower motor with a 60-kilowatt-hour battery for a range of about 260 miles. Okay. Where have we heard those numbers before? Uh, they are quite similar to many Stellantis groups. Not the car I was thinking of. This is basically a rebodied Nissan Ira. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Um, again, when you look at the the charging technology on it, uh, the high range model gets 150 kilowatt charging. The standard range gets 130. Um, they have gone for new battery technology here. So the Scenic E-Tech battery is actually more energy dense than the Megane E-Tech battery. So these are the new batteries that have gone this into the slightly altered yeah. ARIA rather than the, the launch batteries. This is where we're switching into more manganese proportionate to cobalt, isn't it? You're, you've lost me there. You're the scientist, mathematician, English person. Interesting combination descriptor, yes. Yeah. We were discussing the other night how... I failed English. I failed history. I barely scraped through in science. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I talk car, you talk tech. <laughs> okay, yeah, I can deal with that. But look at these photos. For, a, for an MPV, for a school run mummy wagon, <laughs> that looks badass. But so does the capture. The capture is quite... The, the, cur the current generation capture is a massive improvement over the first generation. It is. The yes. first generation was cutesy. Yes, it was. It was too many weird curves. Now, however... Now it looks fairly purposeful. What, yeah. I, what I wanted them to do before they rebranded was do an RS. Capture Renault Sport. Ooh. That would have been awesome source. wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Interior... I'd say looks fairly childproof, except for the massive touchscreen, <laughs> which a kid in a strop is going to put a booty through. Or dive from the back seat to change the music. Yeah. But you can work with that. Mm -hmm. Four levels of regenerative braking. Um, paddle mounted, so the system that you liked in Evo that you haven't got yourself. Yeah. I hate to rub that in. Um, yeah, as if. Yeah. Um, reasonable boot. Uh, 545 litre boot and um, being an MPV it's going to be quite tall yeah you'd probably fit your your universal metric of two folded wheelchairs <laughs> in that yeah that essential criteria yeah 
So, I mean, potentially, depending on prices and whatnot, potentially a, a Shere Khan replacement. It could be. Yeah. It depends how big it actually is, because MPVs mm. are often quite big, and I don't need anything that big. Mm. But it will be mm. an interesting consideration, because the capture mm. is about a size I'd consider. So, BMWi had Hans Zimmer prepare the music for its cars. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now Hans Zimmer, yeah. talk some of the greats he's done: Gladiator, Crimson Tide. <laughs> what, what else has has he done? Did he do The Rock? I think so. He did some of did quite a lot of Disney stuff as well over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did he do Armistad as well? But I mean, mega, mega movie composer Hans Zimmer. Yeah, and my all-time favourite piece of movie music is Roll Tide from Crimson Tide. I'm far more about Imperial March. Mm, I like a bit of Williams. Yeah, I'll give you that. Renault has done the same thing here, although they've gone for French composer Jean Michel Jarre, who I've never actually heard of. You've never heard of Jean Michel Jarre? No. How? I play Baraslov. So does he. Does he? Fair enough. Not so heard of him. I grew up listening to him and Mike Oldfield. Jubilee Bells. Mm -hmm. Was he involved in Jubilee Bells? No, he was the other kind of key instrumentalist mm -hmm. and composer that was working at the same time as Mike Oldfield. Mm -hmm. It was kind of Agincourt of the early 90s. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> let's move on from my <laughs> shocking announcement of the fact that I don't actually know music as well as I thought I did. Um, there's going to be a number of trim levels as you expect. Techno, Esprit Alpine and Iconic. Um, that might be Alpine, actually, rather than Alpine. It um, probably is Alpine. Yeah, but the same company has the same spelling for its Alpine brand, so yeah. you can understand where we went wrong. Um, so all of them get a panoramic glass roof with variable opacity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can either change it fully or in segments. So I could satisfy myself by having an opaque front and the kids could have... I mean, as you say, I need to arrange kids first, but the kids could have <laughs> some roof and I could have this roof, yeah. um, which is very important to me because I don't actually like panoramic roofs. Um, I love a panoramic yeah. roof. Okay. It also has the McGann E-Tex... Um, her OK Google thing. Oh. So you can OK Google the car. Oh. Mm. I really struggle with Android. Mm. I've had Android work phones for the last mm. five or six years. I can barely function them. Mm. I couldn't do an Android mm. car. It, it really would be a hard no <coughs> if it was an Android car. Mm. Fair I don't enough. Have capacity. Fair enough. Um, fairly practical on the inside. There's 38.7 litres of storage space in the cabin. A three and a half wow. litre bin in the um, armrest. Um, rear seat compartments have their own armrest, two swivelling arms. Um, there's storage for smartphones and tablets, fold out stands for screens in the back. Cup holders, two USB-C ports. This is the um, the base model. Um, Multi-sense 
modes they call this here. This is your driving modes. Comfort, yeah. sport, eco and perso. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what perso means, but variable pedal response, powertrain calibration, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, the Google built-in multimedia system, which you don't have to use. 24% um, of the car is previously used. By which I mean it's 24% recycled. And that's really important because one of the biggest things that you hear as complaints about EVs is that they're not recyclable, they are mm. all new tech, and therefore they're not actually economically or ecologically sound. But actually, manufacturers are having a go. Okay. And here is something which me, as somebody that has sold against this car for years, <laughs> yeah, that tried to study and know everything I could about my rivals, I didn't realise that Scenic was an acronym. Neither did I. Safety concept embodied in a new innovative car. Scenic. Interesting. They kept that one quiet enough back in 96, didn't they? I wonder if it was a mistake. Don't know on that one. Mm. But your thoughts, because I've rambled on quite a lot about this car. And I say... French cars just kind of excite me a little bit. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Each to their own. Hmm? Um, it's it's a nice development and the capture. It's a nice electrification. I do love that they're using the new tech mm -hmm. and they have gone recycled and they've got so much of their battery that is recyclable and separable because... It's the new nickel manganese cobalt battery, which actually there's a lot you can do with power cycled cobalt. And there's a lot you can do with power cycled nickel that actually, if you can genuinely separate and recycle, it's going to be really important. See, this is an argument I have with the people that say that, ah, oh, but when your car's battery dies, you're going to need to find 10 grand for a new battery. In and that I say, situation, yeah, you probably would. But I say, yes, but I own the battery I've got. And all of its rare earth metals that can be recycled. So I'll probably get four grand back for the battery I currently own from the scrappy. Quite probably. It's it, when we get to end of life. Because one of the things with things like cobalt, if you use mm. them enough, you end up with weird ions, at which point you have then got to process them afterwards. But that's well in the future. Fair enough. All that remains now is. Would you believe we've recorded each of these segments separately so we don't have what we had with the last episodes we put out, which we had to record them three times. <laughs> we've recorded each episode, each segment separately and I can unite them in the edit. Yeah. And each one has been slightly less than 10 minutes, except for the French mummy wagon that we've been talking about for 12. <laughs> <laughs> people without children interesting choice <laughs> but it just goes to show when it came out it broke new molds the first scenic yeah, it did. and then they brought out the what do they call it the grand scenic or the scenic xl or something I think it was the grand scenic originally which had it? the seven seats yeah and then they they started the craze that bought our cars because they did the scenic with the tire on the back of it jacked up with the scratchy black cladding which was cool the scenic has started a number of crazes in cars. Maybe this is the next one. Look around the automotive space now. 
How many scenic rivals can you think of? Mm, we're expecting this to run at five seats, aren't we, rather than seven? Yeah. It depends where it actually sits between MPV and SUV. It's obviously an MPV, not an SUV. But in terms of how that compares in real terms, because actually, if it is genuinely an MPV and that bit bigger than our cars, for example... This is knocking on the door of the 3008. No, it isn't, because that's an SUV. But the 3008 is bigger than my car. And that's what I mean between where is the line between an MPV and an SUV. Because the current model, ICE 3008, is a good six or seven inches longer than my car, mm. and taller and wider. Okay. No, but I'm talking... What I'm asking here, and I'm sorry to talk over you because I get what you're saying, but you're answering the question you thought I asked, not the question that I did. Yeah? Okay. Look at other cars in the MPV space. They've, they've identified as an MPV, but they say it's an MPV. Think about all the car manufacturers that are out there. Who's selling MPVs? question I don't know. The closest thing that I can think of is a Dacia. And that's more of an estate car. I can't think of an MPV currently on sale. Mariva's gone. C-Max has gone. The Peugeot MPV was the original 2008. That's become an SUV. Citroen was the Picasso. That's gone now. So, no Mariva. Um, who else do we have? I mean, Renault have got the Scenic, as we know. Um, Skoda had the Rumster. That's gone. They're, they're relaunching the MPV. They're trying to do again in 2003, 2023 what they originally did in 1996. You could buy a Vauxhall Fonterra. Could you? <laughs> <laughs> Might have been a Monterey by that point. <laughs> but there was a Vauxhall SUV available for all but about two years of the 90s. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't called an SUV back then. It was called a 4 before. <laughs> and that's the, that's the other question. Mm -hmm. Are we in language or are we in different vehicles? Mm -hmm. And I think only time and seeing it in the flesh compared to others will tell us that. I don't think they'd have resurrected the name if they didn't expect to be different to the Capture and different to the Kulios and different to the Kajar. Probably. be interesting to see. Hmm? I look forward to it. So, we're now up to 16 minutes talking about this car. <laughs> I'm going to say thank you, Louise. Thank you for taking the time to talk through some electric vehicles with me and throw some EV news that I didn't know and some EV news that I didn't know I wanted to know at me. <laughs> and many things that you needed to know. I'm going to say thank you to dear listener for, for joining us for this, what probably going to be just a little bit over an hour 
talking about electric vehicles. And I'm going to say we look forward to speaking to you again. Until then, stay safe, keep that vehicle charged and make sure you enjoy it. Thank you for listening to the CCS Convo podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you'd like to find out more, you can visit rps-dm.co.uk forward slash ccs-convo. CCS Convo is an RPS-driven media production. All rights are reserved.